it's amazing to be able to, not just to serve you and do announcements and other things, but be able to bring you the word today. And it's, uh, it's something special, and it's, uh, it's also something that I can honor our pastor with, because uh, as a culture, as a church, you know, like we believe in, uh, in allowing the exclusive, inclusive, uh, inclusiveness of bringing people to shepherd people and bring them up to, to where God's really placed them to be. Uh, and so I can be able to, uh, to, to step out and to be able to, to do the things uh, that the Lord's called me to do. And also, uh, we also believe in uh, having our staff, our pastoral staff, uh, to be able to take a Sabbath. So this is an opportunity where I can honor my pastor and give him a Sunday off that he can just be present with the Lord and he won't have to be diligent and study that this week. I'm hoping that he spend time with his family to be able to just to do those things that maybe he can't do during a regular week. So I'm honored to be able to, uh, to be here today to be, bring you guys the word. Uh, and uh, there's some of you uh, don't know me uh, as, as uh, some of the others may do, uh, but I wanted to share some things that you may not know about me. Um, so if I can get some, some of the, the, the slides there. I'm going to put my Bible over here. So, so I was born and raised in Fresno, California. Um, I have one sibling. It's my sister. Her name is Julie. And uh, as you look on the picture, uh, I've always been short. <laughs> I was looking at pictures this year, and I was like, I don't know what the photographer said. That this kid is so small that we're going to get a chair and put him in the chair and I'm like what are you doing but uh yeah so so that's me I've always been short I always think it's gonna be my last summer to grow and it's, I keep saying that I haven't grown so if we can get the next slide there and for some of you that don't know I used to model when I was young you know I thought that I would have a modeling career and I uh you know that's I think a picture around fourth or fifth grade and uh, I had, uh, with my cousin who's here today, we were in a Campbell's Soup commercial one time. Yes, I was in a Campbell's Soup commercial. Yeah, see? And, and what was, you know, I thought that that would be maybe my, my road to Hollywood, you know, because look, look at this kid right here. I got a watch, and you can't see I have a gold necklace on and stuff like that. But I was like, hey, this commercial is going to project me to be in Hollywood. But what was funny was that the commercial was in Spanish. <laughs> so... So you know, after I was playing for a few months, whatever, I, I went to school, and I was like, I had that swag on like I was in a commercial, like, hey, what's up? And the only people that recognized me were the Mexicans. They're like, like, hey, my grandma saw you on TV. And I was like, so I had a short live of a career. So if I could have the next slide, is that I, so my modeling didn't go very good. So I said, hey, maybe I'll start wrestling. And then I was really diligent at wrestling. I love working out. I love just being, you know, doing that. So I uh, enjoyed uh, seven years of wrestling in my junior high, or elementary, junior high, and high school. Uh, and that was, uh, I believe that's one of the first uh, times that I had really uh, been disciplined at something, of doing something over and over and over again. And eventually I got good, right? So uh, next picture there. So, so my... <laughs> So my wrestling career was only so-so, right? So I had to come up with something else, okay? And I, uh, I was creative. I, um, one day, I, uh, for one of my mentors, said, hey, we're doing this rally, and, you know, and, you know, and we need something. We need something to stand out, and I, we need, like, Elvis Presley to come in. So I said, okay, let me think about it. So I, so I went to the Salvation Army, and I bought, like, a polyester suit. 
right? White pants and everything. I cut it up and I did it, and that's what I came up with right there. So I, I, I sewed it by hand, and I did Elvis impersonations uh, for our family reunion. We did it for school events, all that kind of stuff. So for those of you who didn't know, I do have a little lip quiver that, uh, that I, can get, I can get going at times. So if I'm speaking and the Holy Spirit brings it up, I don't know, okay? Okay, next picture there is, yeah, I was part of the Backstreet Boys in the 90s, okay? I, I sing, but my microphone was on mute, all right? But I, uh, I had some corn rolls. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm glad I did it then because I, I had hair back then. And now I have, like, you know, more hair on my beard than I do on my head. So I'm glad that I was able to get a little corn rolls going on during that time. So uh, next picture. And so, yeah, so, so the Lord blessed me because... Even though I was, a, uh, I was an awkward, short, uh, multi-talented, uh, <laughs> unsuccessful Hollywood uh, guy, the Lord blessed me with a beautiful wife, and we've been married for 13 years. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very amazing. I've been very blessed to be able to find uh, somebody that uh, is, is just a perfect fit for me. And next picture, um, and I have two loving kids. So you probably see them during here worship, and now we have Children's Ark during second service, so they usually go over there. Uh, but the Lord has, has blessed me uh, with patience, because now I have kids. <laughs> They're so cute, and then, uh, then they poop, and then they walk, and they're so cute again, they talk, and then they talk back. And then it's like, you know, you have to build that patience all over again. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> but something I didn't tell you uh, was that in 2002, um, I was invited uh, to go to a small group by one of the founders of our company. His name was Eric Kruger. And uh, I had went uh, just because uh, he was the founder of our company. He was my boss. And I said, hey, you know what? In my mind, I'm like, I'm going to go one time. I'm going to show my boss that I support him, and maybe when the raise comes, he'll consider me for a raise or whatever it may be. I had selfish intentions, but he had a small group. He had a Bible study, and at the time, I really didn't know much about him, uh, but I said, hey, I'm going to go, and I begged my roommate. I said, Dean, this is Dean Onishi, Dean, and he was actually the one who actually gave me this Bible, so it's, it's pretty awesome to be able to study from a Bible uh, from a buddy that uh, had, had walked me through um, my faith there, but um, so... Uh, so Dean, I, I said, Dean, here's my roommate. I said, Dean, please, I want you to come with me to the small group. He's like, hey, Damon, I'm already doing enough. And he did, he did like, you know, men's Bible studies at our house. Like every Friday he would have one at our house. And I never went. So he's probably thinking, who is this guy, you know, who's, who's trying to come to a Bible study? I, ha I, I hold him at the house and he doesn't even show up. And I never did. <laughs> he invited me every Friday. But I would stay out in the bars and drink all night because I didn't want to go and experience and see what they were doing. I was so resistant to anything that dealt with the Lord. And I was like, hey, no, I'm not going to do it. So I would stay out all night. But now there's a reverse. I'm asking him to go to a Bible study. And he, but eventually through, you know, there's some conversation, he ends up coming with me. I end up going that night. And, uh, and my, uh, my founder, he had shared his testimony um, about how he was an atheist and the Lord had saved him. And, uh, and then he shares the gospel in Acts, which is what we're reading through right now in our devotions. And once I heard the gospel and, and what God had done in his life, it changed me. 
I was like, wow. I said, if the Lord can do something to this guy, the Lord can do something with me. And at that moment, I had, I had completely changed. And I was just, um, I just felt like the chains had broken in my life. I, you know, my parents come from a, a broken home. I had resentment on my dad. I had anger in my life. It was just a bunch of things that I had. And that moment, swear, everything had just fallen off. It's like scales in my eyes, and I had a new set. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was as dramatic as Paul in Damascus, but to me, it was extremely dramatic from something that I had not wanted to be a part of, and now it's like, oh my gosh, like my life has changed. And I was ambitious to live out my Christian life. I said, all right. Like, I was like, okay, cool. I, I'm, I'm going to live my life for Christ. But then something happened that I wasn't prepared for. Can anybody guess? Real life. <laughs> it's kind of like the, uh, the, uh, the old philosopher Mike Tyson says that you have a game plan until you get hit in the mouth, right? So I was, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to do whatever I can. And then I realized that life is imperfect, and there's bumps in the road, and there's suffering, there's pain, there's adversity. All those things that start rushing into my life and I really, and I look back now, it's, I, I didn't have this skill set to really transfer my faith into those circumstances. So a lot of that, that, that turbulence in my life, I felt like I was in a roller coaster. Has anybody been on a roller coaster before? Um, Dave, if we can see that picture. So, okay, I'm on the top right there. This, I, I never do roller coasters. And this past July, we went to Disneyland and my wife tricked me, okay? She took me on a roller coaster. Was, I, it was the first one that we, we had, a, what was it called? It was the uh, Space, Mountain. Space Mountain. I don't know who made Space Mountain, but that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> so I had gone on there, not exp I, I, I was ignorant. I had no idea. It was Disneyland, it was Kids Park. So I thought maybe I'm gonna go just in a little thing, it's gonna go in the dark, and I'm gonna come out, you know, kids are going to scream and laugh and confetti's going to go everywhere, maybe a clown or, you know, Donald Duck or something. <laughs> but I went on this thing, and every time I thought I was going to go right, I would go left. And every time I was going to go straight, I was going down. And I came out of that roller coaster, shooken up. My knees were weak. I felt like I was going to throw up. And that's how I felt about some of the things I encountered in life, that you know, when you go on, you're excited, and then once you start to go, I remember I started a business, and it was great until I didn't have any clients, and then it was like, and then I didn't have any money. I was like, oh my goodness, and then getting, when we got married, I was like, oh great, this is amazing. The preparation just to get married, oh my gosh, that almost broke us up by itself. I remember those nights of us like picking a color. I, I didn't know it would be so like tedious, right? I mean, this is like, I'm like, whoa, this is some crazy stuff. And then I remember like having kids, I mean, you know, not being able to sleep for eight months. I mean, I, I, that kind of throws you for a loop sometimes, right? And, you know, years ago we had, you know, we had experienced some deaths of my coworkers, some friends, and then two and a half years ago my dad passed away. Some of those things you can't anticipate, and, you, and I just wasn't ready for that. And I can really say, you know, looking back, and, and even at moments that, that my faith was wavered. Sometimes a circumstance would succumb to my faith. 
that I'd be praying, I'd be loving Jesus, I'd be doing my devotions, and then something would pop up, and then I would be like turning over here, trying to figure this out or fix it, and then I'd figure out that, oh my goodness, what, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm into the situation, and there's doubt that's, a, that's arousing in me that's, that's, that's staggering my faith. And that's what we're kind of, that's what I really want to tackle today is why do we doubt? What causes our faith to decrease? And what can we do to have a faith that isn't contingent on the circumstances but our devotion to Christ? And today we're going to be reading uh, Matthew 22 to 33, and that's when Jesus walks on the water. So if you guys can please stand if you're able, and I'm going to read this verse here. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat. The wind died down. Then those in the boat worshiped him, him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let me pray. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that today, Lord, that we would just uh, have, have eyes uh, to see and ears uh, to hear, Lord, your word today, Lord. I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be breathed on everyone here today, Lord, that we would, um, we would just take up the mantle of faith, Lord, that we'd be consistent to what we do, Lord, and, and, and to step out and to do the things that you called us to do, Lord. So we just ask, Lord, that you be present today and you just give me the words to speak. Uh, we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you guys will sit down. So today, I, I'm going to break this section up into four pieces. Uh, and, and the first section is, on verse 22, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, and then he went to the mountainside by himself to pray. So I want to add a little context here, is that there's a few situations before that led to, deceit, to, to Jesus making the disciples go into the boat. And before this situation is that Jesus feeds the 5,000. So they're coming off a miraculous uh, situation where Jesus takes five bread, five loaves of bread and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 men, including women and children. That maybe could be, you know, 10 plus thousand people by just that alone. And before that, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, gets beheaded. Okay? So there's... There's an accumulation of events that leads to this moment. And when, when, John, when the disciples tell Jesus, hey, John the Baptist got beheaded, guess what Jesus did? 
he withdraws into a solitary place. And I don't think he's just like sitting and lounging around. I have the assumption that he's praying during that moment. And then from there, he feeds 5,000 people. And then after that, he's telling the disciples to go so he can withdraw and go to the mountain and pray. And there's a phenomenal, after I'd re, I mean, I've read the Bible, maybe not as many times as Pastor John, but this moment I was like, wow. I said, this is amazing. I said, Jesus has an amazing rhythm, either in good times or in bad times, that he retreats and he prays. And that's one of our first points today is that on page one is be intentional to pray and make it your default. That's one of those things where when the situation comes, that if, if you can already be in the practice of prayer, when the storm comes, when, you're, when your marriage is, is compromised, when work gets a little rough or you lose your job or you fail that test, that your immediate reaction is to pray. And I think that's something that Jesus had set in, in, into the rhythm of his life. And I, I know this week that it was, it was one of the, it was a, a, a crazy work week. And I think, I mean, and, and I put aside around 10 hours to prepare for the message today. But on Wednesday, I was like, I, Wednesday was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to put a rough draft. And then all day, I, I, I was preparing, and then I got like writer's block. I had nothing. And then it was like 9 o'clock at night, and I'm like, just, just seeing, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, it was like, I'm teaching about doubt, and then like, I'm doubting myself, and I'm disqualifying myself. And then what's crazy is like a year ago, that last time I had spoke, I had spoke about the feeding of the 5,000. So this is a continuation to what I already spoke about. So this isn't like something that I just picked up the Bible and Matthew 22 is with something where I read, but I knew, I had prayed that if I'd ever speak again of this, I, I would continue the story. And this was it, but I had so much doubt. And then my wife comes and she's like, hey, let me just pray for you. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to receive whatever you, you, know, you got to say. And one of the things that she said that spoke out to me is like, Lord, allow Damon not to do this in his own strength, but give him the strength to be able to do it. And that's all I needed. And I, I, didn't, I didn't pick up and start writing that night, but I just knew that I had the confidence. I mean, what am I, I know this. It's like, it's not me, it's the Lord. Amen. And I always fall back on like one of my life verses is Galatians 2.20. is like, I have been crucified through Christ. And it's no longer me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And I was like, oh, and that's just what I needed, just that little bit. But if I just didn't have that little bit, and then I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? But I was at that moment, I was like, great. So be intentional to pray and make it your default. And, and next we see that that night we see that the, the boat was a considerable distance. And then John says that the boat was around three, three and a half miles out in the, in the lake. Of the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is around 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. So they're about halfway there. And then John, it also says that, that by dawn they get on the boat, and by the fourth shift, or by the fourth shift, or shortly before dawn, Jesus walks out on the water. So, so let's be conservative in that thought and say that these disciples were on the boat for seven hours. 
three and a half miles. I don't boat or anything like that, but that's, that's a long time to be only out there three and a half miles. You would assume that they would already be on the other side. But there was wind, there was waves, and there was fear. There was exhaustion. It was three in the morning. Who, who boats at three in the morning? I'm not a fisherman, so I can't contest to that. But they must be tired. And, I mean, to even take it, I'm sure most, maybe they're still in shock of what happened because Jesus had fed 5,000 people. That's not an everyday occurrence, right? And they're seeing something, and they're on this high, and then all of a sudden they're depleted because they're out in the middle of the sea. So my next point is, when fear sets in, seek the Lord first above all things. Because when Jesus walks out in a lake, the disciples see him, and they're terrified. It's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. They're vulnerable. But Jesus, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And that's one of those, those reflexes that we need, is that we're in afraid. If we're in an afraid moment, boom, no, seek the Lord at that very moment. Because they're on the boat. And, and Jesus could have left them on the boat, right? Because in Mark says that Jesus was walking on the water. I shared this with Pastor John. Jesus was on, he was walking on the water, and he was about to pass the disciples. That's what it says in Mark. About to. So sometimes we have circumstances in our life that we think is crazy, and the Lord's just about to walk by them. And they're like crying out. But he was going to walk right by them? But no, but he, he rushes up to them because he knows how vulnerable we are as people, and he wants to be near us. So even if you're suffering, and even, the Lord will never leave and forsake us. We're saved. He's never going to leave us in the middle of a storm. And my third, my, my third uh, section, my third point is, on verse 28, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus simply says, come. How many of us need to be convinced to do something sometimes? And Jesus says, come. And I, and I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, oh, Peter, there's something, there's maybe something before that that leads Peter to come to that decision. And when Jesus calls some of the first disciples in Matthew 2.18, when, when, and 2.18 says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, and at once they left their nets and followed him. So this is the second time that he hears, come. And I, I think it's something that we need to get that reflex is that, you know how some of us said, oh, I, feel, I feel like the Lord's leading me to do, maybe to be involved in a small group, or I feel like the Lord is, is wanting me to be a part of something. And then we just push that aside 
and then we wait for something else to happen or something else to happen. Then finally, five years later, it's like, oh, it's like me in the Bible studies, my roommate saying, come to my Bible studies. For you. I live in the place. I never went to the Bible study. <laughs> but I, I just urge you guys that when, when, when the Lord says something, sometimes you have to step out to find out. And I, I think that's really important. We have to take those risks to be able to stretch our faith to be able to withstand those circumstances, those heavy storms that come our way. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw him, he was afraid and beginning to seek, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Jesus didn't have to reach him immediately, right? He could allow Peter to go under for a few minutes. <laughs> he said, I told you, all right? I told you to walk out in faith. It's not you, but it's me. Live by faith and not by sight. But he didn't do that. But he began to sink. But when he began to sink, what did he do? He saw the wind, right? And this is like, this is like the big thing that a lot of, you know, this is the, main, the main focus is the main focus is like, when you take your eyes off Jesus, right, you put him on the circumstances, on the situation, on the struggle. And when you do that, you basically are walking in your house and you open the back door and you walk back out and, and you allow the devil to come into your mind to be able to execute his mission, right? And my third point is don't let the circumstance take priority over you over you having a steadfast faith. And then keep your eyes on Jesus. And then for my last step is, and my last point is, on verse 32 is when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and that those who were in the boat, they worship, they worship him. So I think it's, it's a moment for us when there's victory, when there's conclusion, is for us that, that the, the, the disciples could have said, we're, I'm, with the anxiety of, of, of almost dying in the water, seeing Peter walk and then him fall in, Jesus come and rescue. I'm sure that there's a lot of thought process that they were going, going through. And like us, when, when we deal with a situation, some of us kind of try to mine through every single bit of the situation. But the disciples chose not to worry or dive deep into the details, but they chose to worship. And I think our, our reaction, our response, should be to respond in worship. And when we, when we respond in worship, we acknowledge who God is and we praise Him for who He is and for what He's done for us. So I think it's very mighty and important for us to take those moments and have victory with Jesus and to honor him and to worship him after the storm. So, so there's no question on, on whether or not when we, if there's going to be a storm, right? It's when we encounter the storm of how are we going to prepare ourselves to be able to battle that. Are we going to start now to be disciplined in prayer? Are we going to have the reaction when fear comes our way to be able to, to 
seek him first, to put him first, to acknowledge him. Like when I was preparing for the message, I was trying to do it in myself. When the situations come, that, that, you, that you resort back and put in Jesus first. And third is to make sure that, that once the storm is, is gone, that we respond in worship. And I just wanted to, to share a, a quick time of, of when I was going through a storm, and that was about 14 years ago. Uh, I had um, a, a, a desperate time in my life. I had, it was about three years of, of building our business. And uh, sometimes you think it's going to be a certain way, and then it comes out completely different. And I was at a point where I was going to Fer New Hope Farrington. It was December, and I uh, had about $124 left in my bank account. And, and it, was, it was during tithes and offerings, and I said, hey, Lord, I'm going to give this $20. And I said, I don't know exactly where I'm going to be after this, because every credit card that I had, I had, I had maxed out. For three years, my business, for the first uh, three years, I was about $1,000 in the debt every single month. So the accumulation of debt was rising. My credit cards were maxed out. I was, I was sweeping credit cards one thing to the next. And, I, and, and I had, that month, I had went to the bank to get a loan, and they wouldn't accept me. They didn't want me. I wasn't good enough. I, I, I wasn't trustworthy enough to be able to get a loan. So I, I gave my, my $20 and said, Lord, this is yours. Whatever's going to happen, I leave it in your hands. And, and there, there, there was uh, some moments where I was, I was, I was desperate. I, was, I had been wearing the same clothes for a long time. I had the same shoes. My soles were already breaking apart, so when it would rain, I would get water in them. My pants were so worn out that I'd have to, I would have to sew my pockets in because my pockets were so worn out. It was like this, I was like, what am I going to do? And it, it, all this happened at the same time. It was like a snowball effect. And right here in Kalani Oniole, I shared this with our small group on Friday. I was driving down on my Honda Accord. I had 225,000 miles on it. And I was driving, and it was just like, it was just the lowest of the low at the moment. I, I was desperate. And I, I was following the Lord, and I was, and I was in a men's group. You know, and I, I was in prayer, and I was reading his word. But I was just lonely. I was desperate. And for some reason, I had accidentally hit the button to push down my window, and it was electronic. And I never did that because my window would sporadically not work. So when I did do that, I had to, like, shimmy up the window with two hands or go underneath, take it all apart. I don't know if anybody had been there before, but I was there. I had accidentally hit it, and the window goes down, and it's raining. And water is like gushing in, and it's like been how it's been in the last few days. Water's gushing in, I'm soaking wet. And at first I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, trying, to get, I'm trying to take it light with humor, right? I start laughing. And then I start crying. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm like, I so need you right now. I'm so broke. And yeah, I was financially broke, but spiritually, I just needed to be revived. And I, and I was just praying, I said, oh, Lord. I said, just please. Lord, I just need you. I just, I just need something. I just need, I need to know that you're there. And I said, Lord, and, and I was just like, and it, and it wasn't that I, I physically needed something, but I said, Lord, I'm going to push this button, Lord. And when I push that button, Lord, I just need to know. I don't care if it goes up a little bit. I don't know if maybe fire comes out. I don't know. 
but I'm going to hit that little button right there and something's going to happen, okay? I'm claiming that right now. So, so I, sw- I swish my hand around slow-mo because I'm trying to give the, t- the Lord some time to like fix <laughs> To figure things out, you know, and I, I give a little kick to the side, you know, and say, "Hey, Lord, if it, Lord, right here, right now, Lord, you see me, Lord, right? You see me? I push the button, and guess what happens? The window goes up. The Lord will never leave or forsake you. When you're tired and weary, Lord says, "Come, and I will give you rest." And that's what the Lord had done to me during my storm. So I just urge you guys just to really step out as Peter did, not knowing, but taking that risk in faith to really just take you to the next level. So thank you guys.